Hello, dear listeners of the Pen Pen Pals Pod. This is Blixa, your trans femme counselor and life coach to offer a content warning. In today's analysis of Paranoia Agent, we discuss issues of suicide as depicted in the material we cover today. If this type of discussion is upsetting or triggering, please join us next week. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone, to Pen Pen Pals for our continued coverage of Paranoia Agent. This week, we're coming to you with episodes eight and nine. I'm Alex. Hi, this is Blixa. Hey, it's Ben. And we have uh, two returning guests, a couple of friends of the pod with a wonderful show of their own. Everybody, please welcome Sophie and Sin. Hello. Hi. So you have just watched this for us to discuss it with us. How how have you enjoyed it so far? Has it been interesting or terrifying, intoxicating? I knew roughly what it was. I hadn't actually seen it before, but I I knew. Yeah. And um, I think where we're coming in to talk about this is like the point at which this series sort of settles into like, it's starting to explain what's going on. Oh, good. Because because, um, prior to this point, I think it's episode seven is when it becomes, I've only seen this once, but as far as I'm aware, um, episode seven is when it becomes indisputable that Little Slugger is like, quote unquote, a real thing. Yes. Yes. Because prior to that, everything has been like these sort of subjective moments of like, someone is having some sort of mental break and then Little Slugger appears. Episode seven is the point at which it becomes clear because you have multiple people seeing him at once. Yeah. And he has a like defined effect on the physical world. Okay, this really happened. And, and, and are you saying that's sort of the prison scene where yeah, the yeah. copycat kid gets killed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prior to that, I was thinking it was going to be something more like um, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, which I don't know if anyone here has seen. Yeah, I've seen a few episodes. No, but we just got it recommended. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I won't spoil it then. But that does a similar thing of like the idea of um, there being a crime wave that's based on a copycat. Mm. But then it's sort of not clear if like, well, is the copycat the original or are they themselves a copy of another copy? And it becomes more about like the sort of social hysteria of what's going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas at this point, Paranoia Agent has made it kind of like pseudo as clear as this show is. Mm -hmm. Are we calling him Little Slugger or Shonen Bad? Either way, we, we okay, go yeah, back okay, because we we, like we we watched the the um subbed version where he's shown in bad, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it becomes clear that like shown in bad is some sort of like paranormal entity at this point, and I think it's interesting that they go directly from that to what this is, which is a ghost story. Yes. Yeah, yeah I've actually seen before I started watching the show. I remember that I've seen the first episode with my boyfriend. Mm. And I was very excited to watch it again because I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this. So there's going to be some cops and they're going to be shooting bad guys. And it's like really funny moments and it's a cyberpunk thing. And so when I started watching it, I'm like, this is not at all like what I remember. There's no fun in this. There's some trauma. (laughs) This is my boyfriend sitting right here looking at me. Basically, what we started watching was Psychopaths. And I thought Mm. that's what you asked us to watch. (laughs) So uh, another one that I haven't checked out. It yeah, sounds really good. That, that's come up. You you watched it, right, Blixa? Oh yeah. You're a psychopath. That's a, that's a so Blixa, you can imagine my surprise when I'm like, this is nothing <laughs> yes. like I remember. Half of enjoyment is setting expectations. So I'm glad you were surprised, but I'm sorry you had the, the rug pulled out from under you. <laughs> and has there been anything huge happening in your lives? Everything going okay? Any news you wanna share? 
Well, we, we, we've set up a new uh, recording schedule. Oh. Yeah, so we might get more episodes out. <gasps> you might come back. You might come back. You never know. <gasps> Whoa. Your episode's okay. not out yet because since, like, we have to do a really good job editing this one. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Well, there's no rush. We're just we're just really tickled to be there. I'm Aww. I'm excited for it to come out, but really, there's no. It'll be a gift whenever it does drop. A lot of pressure, not like uh, Bloodborne or Elden Ring, where now yeah. it's just like, yeah, let's get it out. Whatever picture of cat in the background, good enough. Yeah. <laughs> and now that we know it's not a trap, uh, Ben will have to m- make it next time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know if I can show face. Maybe I'll need to get a mask or something. No, she'll 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 make a cartoon of you. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. Sin has already commissioned uh, pixel art versions of Ooh. myself and Blixa. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, so Ben wasn't there when we agreed that we would do like a sock puppet <laughs> video series of our podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. is that part of the episode? So once that comes out, we gotta switch over. Mm-hmm. Sock yeah, we're contractually binding. obligated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We had one sock puppet on a stream once and never again. Is it framped? It was. We needed something, so I ran out and bought a grey sock and some googly eyes and made King Seeker framped. You do a good impression, too. Thank you. Do we have any murder news or anime news? <laughs> murder news! Uh, I mean, oh I feel like I've just been recommending TV shows recently, but... Uh, this will be old hat by the time this comes out, but Last of Us, you guys watching Last of Us? Yeah. I think it's dope. Yeah, I saw the first episode. It was pretty compelling. And I keep hearing from the queer community that the third episode is like a really big deal. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's Mur- Murray Bartlett and Nick Offerman in a very cute gay love story. Oh, yeah. Nick Offerman's so good. Yeah, yeah he, cool. he did a really good job. Yeah. yeah, if anybody wants to cry for an hour and a half, I highly recommend it. I love crying. (laughs) And Blixie, you got anything? Or should we do this last time on and then get to watching and discuss? I had to cancel my Crunchyroll account. (gasps) Why's that? Oh, I had to sign up for a cast. I did my very first video stream thing uh, yesterday, actually. Oh, cool. Uh, So I'm trying to do this like fundraiser thing to help trans people get HRT. (gasps) That's cool. That's the big exciting news I have. A noble cause. We'll we'll (laughs) have to plug that somehow. Still uh, just a rough experiment at the moment. Just seeing if we can draw a crowd. That's all. Wonderful. It cost me Crunchyroll. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I don't understand. How did it cost you Crunchyroll? Oh, I have a budget budget for certain Uh, things. So something had to go for the cast subscription. Well, we can pirate most Crunchyroll stuff anyway. Yeah, fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Speaking of which, I don't know if I'm allowed to say or if I'm going to, if the FBI will bust down my door. Okay. (laughs) This didn't happen to me. My friend's boyfriend downloaded Uh something, Uh not my boyfriend, completely different boyfriend from a different friend, which was freaking Ghostwire Tokyo. He wanted to try it out because he's like, I'm not sure I'm on the fence. Like I've seen like not so good reviews. And since we Uh buy most our games because we want to support people, it's like, I don't want to spend like drop like 60 bucks on a game and I'm going to be disappointed. So that other boyfriend downloaded it didn't play Mm -hmm. it just downloaded it and (laughs) they got a letter from their internet provider being like um so uh (laughs) this 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 company contacted us zenimax and uh they're saying don't do that wow oh wow tokyo really oh my god like the most lukewarm game ever created (laughs) like that's what (laughs) okay anyway 
like like a le- letter in the mail no it was like an email from our oh, provider okay, okay. but it's like i, I mean their provider not our paper. provider their yeah. provider Right, right, yeah, yeah. We had yeah. a stream terminated for showing a clip of Pat Labor that was already on YouTube. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. Just wow. Intellectual property law is garbage. It was real. Yeah. Like, okay, surely this clip's already on YouTube. So mm-hmm. yeah. streaming the YouTube window with the clip in it. But apparently, it's like Schrodinger's copyright, where it's both <laughs> you're both allowed and not allowed to show this. Yeah, we yeah. we ran in the same thing. We were trying to put our Apple CL episodes up on YouTube. Yeah. I'd like downloaded the video from YouTube to mm-hmm. like put back up onto YouTube, but in the upload process <laughs> it would get flagged every time. And yeah. yeah. You know that happened to Sophie, what's that show or movie? Something about a talking cat? A talking cat with Eric Roberts. Yes, that's the one with the Eric Roberts is the the very professional person who's in all the movies. Okay, so Sophie was talking about a movie. Is it an Australian movie that no one knows? Like it's some very... No, it's American. Okay, American movie that I never heard of with Eric Roberts and the talking cat. There's a lot of those though. (laughs) But I put a clip of it. A lot of Eric Roberts movies. (laughs) Yeah, so I used a clip from a trailer Uh and in the podcast just to show and it was like a saturday night snack covenant so it was an unlisted podcast for patreon Uh we put a clip they took it down and i'm like okay that's weird but it's nothing bad it's just like you're you're not allowed to show it's going to be blocked in some countries so i kind of did the thing where i stretched it put this put that no they always detected it wow a freaking cat movie (laughs) bots are getting smarter yeah. I would love to watch an Eric Roberts movie with a talking cat. <laughs> you can literally hear him turn the script pages. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it is the laziest performance he's ever done. Okay. You two are too much fun. Let me do this last time on, and then we'll get to watching, and we'll get to <laughs> laughing, and maybe crying. No. Last time on Revenge of the Slugger. Our detectives finally found their ostensible oracle. The old woman who saw Sakiko's assault clued them into some evidence, but when they confronted Sakiko with it, she assured them, this isn't the pipe you're looking for. Meanwhile, we met Taiko, a teenager with a terrible father and no anchor in the coming storm. Taiko walked through the empty spaces where her childhood took place, eventually visualizing her suicide with our old woman as a physical stand-in. The old woman was washed away while Taiko took a little slugger-like hit to her head. Tsukiko sustained a simultaneous strike in front of our detective's eyes, further complicating this seemingly supernatural string of assaults. In the hospital, Taiko was reunited with her father Masame, but with no memory of who he was. With their new perspective on the case, our detectives pressed hard on Kazuka to admit he was a copycat and not some sort of holy warrior. Maniwa posited the possibility of multiple sluggers but Ikari couldn't see past his stubborn belief in concrete reality. Maniwa began having visions of the old man magician, and we got glimpses of a radio operator who was broadcasting the story of Lil Slugger across the airwaves. During a power outage at the police station, our holy warrior was murdered in his cell by none other than Shonen Bat. Our detectives lost their jobs, and Maniwa turned out to be our mysterious broadcaster. Are our detectives still a team? How many places can Shonen Bat appear at once? Will our assault victims ever see justice? Let's find out. Is it everyone got it pulled up? Mm-hmm. All right. Three, two, one, play. Oh my gosh, I'm so confused.
It makes perfect sense. I don't see why you're so confused. <laughs> they all have okay. Maromi backpacks. <laughs> when we were watching episode 8, I just typed Paranoia Agent Episode 8 into Google, and it auto-completed to Paranoia Agent Episode 8 Explained. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, we've got that one. Okay, good. Yeah, our, our last guest was like, I don't know who's going to be the next guest, but... I, I think this episode makes, like, it makes sense, but it makes sense in retrospect. Yeah, yeah. Like, once you, once you figure out what... Because I watched this twice... And, like, Sin and I figured out what was happening, like, toward the end. And then going back and watching it again, it became clear, like, oh, okay, it's that. They foreshadow it throughout. Like, it's, like, right from the beginning. Yeah. It's basically like, show you have you your suspicions, happening. but you're like, let's wait and see, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I haven't, I watched this a while back and I haven't remembered most of it, but this is one that, as soon as we saw the people at the beginning, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of remember this one. It's almost trippy, you know, because you're like, what you're watching, the point of it, and what's being shown on screen, the music and the the drawings, it's like doesn't match up the first time you watch it. Yeah, which is also why, like the the question of like what exactly is happening is blurred slightly because, like, so much of the series and particularly this episode is like it's all about subjective experiences and like people mm-hmm. sort of imagining things that maybe aren't happening. Mm-hmm. So for a long time we were like. What's going on? Because, like, is it the thing that we think it is, or is it that they're just imagining these scenarios, but they haven't actually happened? And then it became clear at the very end what was happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another interesting thing is, like, with the the chat room, Mm -hmm. you can see how many people are logged in at the top. Oh. And it goes up and down throughout. Uh And then later on, Fearbytes, like, yeah, there was this guy called Fox, who the other two apparently don't meet, or they meet toward the end. Now, this reminded us of a Reborn episode where Reborn builds well, a mountain so Tsune can train on it. Ooh. This yeah. is the problem when, when your sole anime point of reference is Kotekyo Hitman Reborn. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great because it gives you a map and you can yeah. map it onto anything. Yeah. And the problem is that works because Reborn is so generic. <laughs> it's just every anime trope at some point happens in this series. <laughs> do, do you know about um, Golden Bat? Oh, the, the, the superhero. Superhero. Yeah, because yeah, like he's got literally has a golden bat, and a- apparently I don't know. I read this, but like it's not shown up in the sub that I watched. But apparently okay. they do call him Golden Bat like a couple of okay. times when they're coming up with a name for him. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah we we found that connection. I think maybe our first episode. Okay. Yeah. Still haven't researched it. We really need to do that by the end of the show. I mean, that sort of becomes, like, apparent in the next episode, where, like, Shonen Bad is sort of bleeding into different things. Like, he's bleeding into right. fiction. Yeah. Oh, that makes total sense. I think the Golden Bat, something I read about him was that he's kind of a psychedelic superhero, that he, like, kind of had whatever power the writers wanted him to yeah, have at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, And Silver Age Superman is very much like that as well. Yeah, he's basically Silver Age Superman if his face was a golden skull. So better. <laughs> so Blixa, what what was up with them? What was wrong with them, Blixa? I'm really processing. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> poor Blixa. Whenever somebody called on me in class or on a meeting, Blixa, I'm like, nope, nope. Don't you call on? I don't care if I know the answer. Don't you call on me? <laughs> That's betrayal. So you don't have to answer that, Blixa. <laughs> okay. They were on an online chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was like people that want to commit suicide mm-hmm. yeah they met first time meeting all they knew was avatars and it was a surprise this is like it's disturbing how young the kid is mm. oh yeah i was wondering if like the two adults were like yeah they're trying to keep the kid alive 
but they still want to die. Yes. Yeah. But unless there's some metaphysical thing that I didn't pick up, it seemed like it worked out. Yeah. But were they already dead? They died. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, God. There's some sixth sense in here, right? Like, yeah. I don't know yeah. if they're dead the whole episode. They're dead. I think Alex mentioned the shadows, right? Mm-hmm. So the way oh that they do God. it is like you tell from the, that's why like, and when you watch it back again, there's so many shots where like they draw attention to the shadow, but you're not looking for it if you don't know that's significant. Yeah. Yes. Mm. So like, from what we can tell by looking at like when they have shadows and when they're interacting with the physical world, they died in the apartment that was being demolished at the start. Mm. Like yeah. the three of them all died oh. together. Oh. And if you think about it, you know, they swallowed so many pills. That's another thing Sophia and I noticed, even though this is a cartoon, they swallowed so many pills. You'd think that even when they're out of the building, they'd be like vomiting or they wouldn't feel good. Like something would be happening. But they're like, no, we're cool. This is another thing you notice when you watch it again. When they lie down and they're like, oh, Kamame's really young. We shouldn't have dragged her into this. And they say, well, we'll come back as ghosts and apologize. <laughs> And that is essentially what happens, but they're too late to save Kamome. Yeah. Because I don't know if you notice it, but you can actually see her, like, peeping in as they're preparing the gas and everything. Oh, yeah. It's just such a dark scene. Yeah. Oh, wow. And because they're seeing, like, they're a ghost, that's why when they're at the train station and the guy jumps in front of it, they see the guy run off because they're seeing his yeah. ghost. Yeah. Mm. And you can see, like, when they're at the station, like, everyone is, like, Kamome's just running around and no one's noticing. That there's like a kid about to fall on the tracks because no one yes. can see them. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There's something very sad about the idea that there are these people that wanted to commit suicide and now they're in the afterlife and they just keep wanting to commit suicide. Like it didn't actually like yeah. solve their problem. Well, <laughs> I, I think it's like it's called happy family planning. And if you look at who they are, like you don't really get an insight into Kamome, like what she's what's driven her to this point. Mm-hmm. But, like, the previous couple of episodes were pretty heavy on, like, parental abuse of children. Mm. So, that's sort of, like, I don't think it's literally saying that, but you've they've at least set up that, like, okay, like, kids and parents get, like, separated and, like, there's trauma between the generations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the other two, like, you get a sense, like, Zebra's clearly his partner died at some point. Mm-hmm. And um, so the Chitose candy is, like, an important part of understanding Fubachi. Um, Chitose candy is specifically, it's candy that you give to children when they reach the ages of three, five, and seven. Okay. Because those are viewed as unlucky ages. And it's like, if you survive three, five, and seven, every time you get a piece of candy to like celebrate it. Oh. And here's the guy, he's carrying around the candy that he hasn't given to a child. Oh. And when he's falling asleep on the train, you hear him say, Sayo, Sayo. Which, like, the first time we watched it, we thought, is he saying sayonara? Is he saying goodbye? But no, sayo's mm-hmm. a name. So, very, very heavy implication with Fiobachi is that there was a kid called Sayo mm-hmm. who didn't make it old enough to get the candy. And he's mm-hmm. been carrying around the bag ever since because he's had no one to give it to. Mm-hmm. But, like, to me, like, the thing about the episode is, like, everyone's lost something. And then it's like this sort of horrible irony where like they all find it again after they're dead. Yeah. Like they actually form like a little, a little unit, a little family unit together, Yeah. which is the thing they, you see them like they're happy. Yeah. Like they're all sleeping together. How are we going to kill each other this time? Oh, let's plan a fun activity. Yeah. But there's like the scene where like they're all on the ground, like on the futons and stuff and they're like holding hands and like laughing and stuff. And it's like, they actually, if they just met, 
and not killed themselves, they could have had that mm. thing together. But they don't realize they could have had it until after they're dead. But yeah. also, I think, like, as, as depressing as it is, um, I don't think they could have had to, this thing together in real life because she probably does have parents who are not yeah, yeah. good in some way. So they would have been yeah. like, you cannot see these men. That's creepy. Uh, you know, the older man would probably die pretty soon because, yeah. you know, he did have a fake heart attack with the shadows. And mm. so, like, I feel like they would have been separated had they not, like, died together. No, but, like, if the world had allowed them to be together. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, if they'd yeah, be, yeah, like, yeah. the three of them could very, and it's called happy family planning. Like, they were a happy family. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just that they don't realize that they're a happy family and they don't need to die anymore until after they're dead. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I do think that it feels like this episode is interested in that, right? It's, so it's yeah. like there are these sort of lost soul people that are connecting over the internet, but instead of connecting and realizing that they have this thing in common and that they're sort of these lost souls, like they choose to to commit suicide instead, yeah. right? So yeah. like, why why did they do that as opposed to actually, yeah, just finding yeah. companionship? Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's presupposing that the reason they want to die is some sort of like loneliness or something like that. I mean, I guess there could be a yeah. lot of other reasons too, but. K- Kamome says things, she says, don't leave me behind a lot, mm-hmm. which to me yeah. imply like, she's probably like a, like not literally like homeless, but like abandoned by people. She might be an orphan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. she has access to a computer. So yeah. she's got to have some sort of stability. She has access to a computer, <laughs> a computer that she's posting on at like 11 PM at night. And she's 10 amazing yeah so like yeah. i think there's some there's some parental neglect going on yeah so maybe yeah. her parents have like jobs where they yeah. you know one's a cop or something and yeah. always has to be called away to emergencies and yeah. is always leaving her or maybe it's a single parent household and she always kind of felt like you know the death of the other parent yeah uh left her behind i mean it's just fascinating to speculate mm-hmm. about yeah. yeah and like we were saying like it's also interesting that the age of the people who want to die gets progressively younger. Because mm-hmm. you find out that, like, I've forgotten his name, the little slugger impersonator from the previous episode. Kazuka? Kazuka. Yeah, that, like, he wanted to die. It's like a school shooter mentality of, like, I'm so mad at the world, I'm just going to do as much damage as possible and then die. Mm-hmm. And he does He does end up dying. And, and, and is there some implication in that, that his death in the prison could have actually been a suicide? Yeah, that's the thing, because, like, what's interesting is that they meet Little Slugger in this, and he's scared of them. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when it happened, like, with the awareness that the three of them were dead, I was like, is this Kazuka's ghost and not Little Slugger? But Mm. I think it actually is Little Slugger, because the whole thing is, like, Kazuka has braces. That's how you tell them apart. And Little Slugger in that episode, when he's smiling, doesn't have the braces. Mm -mm. Because Little Slugger is, it's a way for people to project, like, a failing onto something else. Mm. But, like, as far as the three characters are concerned, they have taken ultimate responsibility for everything. Yeah. Like, they've straight up said, like, I'm going to die. So there's no... They don't want to blame anyone else for it. Like, it's an it's an act that they're in complete control of. And I think that's yeah. probably why he's so, like, he doesn't know what to do. Interesting. So Little Slugger, he shows up, and then I, I think you're right. I don't think it's the ghost of Kazuka yeah, or Fox, yeah. as we find out that Fox on the message board was Kazuka. Whatever Little Slugger is, if it's a tulpa, if it's something, it hits someone in the hallway. Yeah, yeah. 
So it may be a ghost or like a ghost, and then it recognizes three other ghosts yeah. or things that aren't, you know, yeah. regular physical humans. Yeah. And that's when it freaks out. It's like, whoa, what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. This episode is very strange, but very good. It's a lot less stressful compared to the previous episodes, ironically enough. Yes. Yeah, that's true, though, because, like, I actually messaged us in before we were watching it, and I'm like, I've been watching this, and I'm finding it very, actually very hard to watch. Mm -hmm. Like, it was genuinely upsetting me, like, the previous stuff. Yes. And then when we actually got to this one, like, even though it's the one that's just about a series of suicide attempts, it bothered me less. And I think that's partially the tone, and partially, like, I was just sort of used to it at this point. I was saying to Sen, like, the problem with me watching this is I was watching the start and I'm like, oh, this is really relatable. And I'm like, oh, my God, why do I relate to this? <laughs> Just like, I have to step away and go outside for a while. Yeah. And this episode, even though it may be a little relatable and that could be scary, it's also a little cathartic because you're yeah. like, look, they're not bad people or anything. Yeah, yeah. They just have these emotional deaths or problems in their life. And they're trying to figure out a way to solve that pain, that loneliness. Yeah. And we can all relate to that. And they do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. They, they, they solve the problems that were driving them in the first place. But it's sort of it's it's simultaneous. Like it's too late in the sense that they're actually dead, but they also seem happy in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. So it just, it's a note of like sort of ambiguity toward the end where I'm just like, this is not a one thing or the other. Mm -hmm. But also this is like uh, a cartoon and (laughs) (laughs) no, no, but you know what I mean? So an afterlife in this cartoon may be like a good happy place. So it's not Mm -hmm. like. Well, but are are they because they seem to be just like stuck on earth in purgatory? Like they don't. No, but they seem to be doing things they love. They're hanging out together and doing activities. So it's not like the afterlife is like, oh, it's hell and you'll be tortured. It seemed kind of chill. Like, okay. Go to a hot spring. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The other thing that that, that it does with regard to suicide is like it makes a point of not making it seem like a painless release. Mm hmm. That's a recurring thing with the way that they talk. Like, Kamame's like, I don't want to die like this. My clothes will get wet. Or, like, I don't want to do this. Like, I'll I'll feel sick. Or, I don't want to do this because, like... And when they see the guy hit by the train... They're like, we don't want to do that. No, because they're like, oh, that's what it looks like when you get hit by a train. Yeah. Because, like, they, it, they haven't registered that, like, it's not just like, oh, it's a sudden release. It's like, you just get splattered everywhere. There's gore everywhere. You've traumatized everyone who's watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there's that's mm. that thread that they, they sort of don't grasp that, like, it's not a release. Like, it's going to leave behind, like, all this horrible stuff everyone else is going to have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ben, Blixa, you got any big thoughts on this episode? Oh. Uh, go ahead. Well, so so two things. Like, I'm trying to. I think I think you guys are onto something with the kind of the age of the people. And you know, if this was Lane, I would say it's something about, you know, you don't know who you're talking to on the internet, yeah. and you think you're having this conversation with adults, but it's potentially influencing kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But here, I think it might be even like a step further than that, where it's just like just the act of committing suicide. You're like kind of like putting that idea in the the heads of the next generation that that it's sort of mm. like you're you're normalizing it somehow or I don't know or something like that yeah. uh, so so that's one thought sort of not completely formed and the other is that you know the beginning of the series we started off with all of these people that were lying and like making excuses and we've had a bunch of people kind of with deadlines and like wanting to get out of those 
deadlines and obligations. So I'm trying to figure out, so is it these people that have made this suicide pact and then that's sort of like the deadline that like they were in and it's like these people that actually like they were looking for some excuse or something to stop them from doing this thing that they felt committed to. Or is it something more like, I don't know, suicide is like the ultimate way of getting out of all of your other obligations in life or something like that, that this is just this very extreme way of doing it. So like these people don't need the little slugger to hit them over the head because they've already like hit themselves over the head through committing suicide or something. That's a recurring thing in like existentialism where Mm -hmm. it's like suicide is like it's you taking charge of things like you're dealing with an absurd world and that's like a decision that you can make in the face of it. But, like, the the thing that I run into with this series is, like, so much of it is about, like, specifically, like, cultural anxiety in Japan at the turn of the millennium, which I do not feel qualified to discuss. Sure. Like, I do know that, like, there have been incidents of, like, mass hysteria. There are, like, ways in which things like suicide are treated that are different to the way that we treat them here. And, like, the way that people sort of, like, don't talk about things in ways that maybe we do talk about them. And, like, I don't know enough about it to be able to, like, confidently go into it and talk about it that way, even though I'm pretty sure that's what it's, like, dealing with. Mm. Ben, something you were Mm. saying made me think, like, the previous episodes were about, you know, people succumbing under, like, their life stress and having no way out and the only way out is like the girl faking her own injury or just something happening like landing in a hospital to sort of give you this temporary pause but the problem is it's like it's temporary like you're gonna have to go back Mm. to work you're gonna have to deal with your classmates you're gonna have to deal with you know like the lady who has like two lives going on you're gonna have to deal with that once once you're back at it back in action but here it seemed like the three people it's not that they had this immediate stress that they needed to deal with. It's like things happened. They lost their partners. Maybe they lost their parents and they were tired and they were like, it's time to move on. It's time mm-hmm. to like leave this behind and do something else. Like I didn't feel yeah. the stress or urgency or things like that from the three characters we met in this episode. Yeah. And that explains the musical theming, right? Which which totally recontextualizes the things that we're watching. Yeah. I, I think the music, too, that's just like, like, if you put dark music under this, it would just be like so dark that like, yeah. even though the juxtaposition is weird, there's something about it that just, I don't know, makes it a little more palatable or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, going off what you were saying, Sophie, I, I was Googling a little bit while we were watching and found this article from The Atlantic that says that. Uh, between 2003 and 2005, there were 61 cases of internet group suicide in Japan. Yeah, and that's exactly when this was made. Yeah, yeah, this came out January 2004. So it seems, you know, probably the news coverage in Japan was like a further ahead than when it came to America. But also, I was looking up in general, like it seems like anime has this fixation with suicide, and I was thinking like. Mm. Well, I think suicide actually is a lot more prevalent in Japan than, say, murder. So it it maybe makes more sense that that's sort of like the issue that you're going to address. And in my head, Japan has a way higher suicide rate than the U.S., but actually now I think the U.S. is basically even with Japan. Mm. Looks like the U.K. was a lot lower, which is sort of interesting, I wonder. 
why um, why yeah. some that would be because we're normally very similar to them and stuff maybe just gun availability i don't know oh yeah i know a lot of it is guns in the u.s yeah there was actually a japanese like horror i guess supernatural film in the mm. early 2000 that was directed by i forget who but <laughs> the, the, the movie was called the uh, suicide circle and oh. I don't know if you've like, uh, maybe you've seen like or heard about it, like the opening shot is just a bunch of uh, school students uh, just jumping out on a, under a train while holding hands. So yeah, I, this made me remember that. Yeah. Um, and there is that, you know, uh, these things aren't talked about or they're not talked about in the same way that they are in, you know, America or Canada or Australia or whatever. And this episode is quite confrontational in that way, right? Because it's saying trains, this is a way people kill themselves. Yeah. They go to a forest. Maybe it's not the suicide forest, but it's evocative of that, right? And yeah, they try yeah, to hang themselves, yeah. which seems to be the preferred method of people in that forest. Yeah. And even the uh, their initial attempt going to an abandoned building and just basically carbon monoxide poisoning yourself. Like these are things that people do. And we as a society, Japanese society, we yeah. are not talking about. Yeah. So we are five past the hour. I would just like to offer my thoughts. And then it is actually time to try out the next episode. Yeah, yeah, sure. Of course. The scene where uh, Fubayachi notices he doesn't have the shadow. That has to be a changing point for them because they're in the cycle, right? Mm -hmm. And when he comes to, he plans a trip that's far away. Mm. And maybe this is a, a, a stretch, but like then we see that the crows fly away. And there's no more dialogue from them after this. And they're happy and they're singing the song. So... I guess what this makes me struggle with is like, what does it mean to be happy? I suspected that there was this sixth sense element to the story. And I really wanted them to be able to save that kid. And that's why this hit me so emotionally hard when I realized mm -hmm. they, the kid died. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, like they did, they became family. And, uh, you know, it just makes you like really question like, because in our culture, there's suicide is bad. And there's nothing good about it. It's like, well, this is kind of really challenging to a really scary, insecure idea. Very thought-provoking. Yeah. Uh, okay. Does anybody have any other big thoughts on this episode? Thank you for sharing, Blixa. That was yeah. really difficult, but I'm really glad you could get through it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anybody got any other big thoughts? Or should we move on to a slightly easier episode? I would love a slightly easier episode. <laughs> okay. I <laughs> do. This is just, sorry, I, we can switch over after this, but the Murumi backpacks, um, mm -hmm. is that just to sort of make this more connected to the big story or is there, do we think there's something going on there with those, those backpacks? I think it's just a really popular character. Like, that's the, uh, yeah, but that's the thing that weirded me out at the start because it's like, we'll be able to identify each other because we're all wearing this thing that everyone's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, just... Sophie, let me interrupt you right there. Do you know how expensive Pikachu backpacks are? Oh, Not everybody's okay. going to be wearing the big ones. Okay. So, yeah, it may be a way that that's how they found each other, obviously. But um, I thought maybe that's how they found each other online. Like, maybe they were in chat rooms about Maromi, and then they somehow found each other and, oh. like, started talking about the darker subject matter. Yeah. They're like, how do you like Maromi lore? 
Oh, and like that chat room thing that it like you can see at the top, there's a counter who's in it and it's fluctuating throughout. And by the end, there's one person left. Oh, and I don't know if that's actually a new person or not. Also, it's it's like it's interesting because it's like it's such an old style uh, bulletin board. Yeah. Well, this was made in the 2000s. Yeah, but it's like interesting to like look at. Oh, yeah, that's what they were like. I mean, we're still in the 2000s, but you know. (laughs) No, but the other thing that's interesting is like you you said, oh, they only know an avatar, but like you don't even have an avatar in an old BBS. You just have text. Yeah. Yeah. Just a name. Just zebra. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Episode nine. Episode nine. All right. I think I got it. Three, two, one, play. This episode gave me a lot of frustration. Yeah. Because these ladies are not telling the truth. They're gossiping about things that are like serious, but they're making them into a joke, trying to get some clout from their friends. That was not cool. Yeah. Well, I think the episode agrees with you. Yeah. I think that the narrative or the framing says that what they're doing is not healthy. <laughs> so uh, a good pairing with the last episode, because the last episode in a lot of ways is the darkest thing we've gotten so yeah. far. And this is kind of the most lighthearted that we've gotten. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad this was the second episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's almost like they knew what they were doing. They're like, oh, man, this one's real dark. We want people to keep watching. Maybe lighten it up with the next one. And also, like, they they sort of dropped the bombshell about Shonen Bat, like, two episodes ago. Mm -hmm. So then you just have this, like, sort of buffer in between them where it goes off in different directions. And then it'll sort of loop back around to being later on. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So this is an anthology. And we get just progressively more ridiculous sightings of Shonen Bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if he actually hits someone in the head in any of their stories. Like he shows up, but he's not doing what he does in quote, the real world or the physical world. You don't world, see right? it. He allegedly does. Like the okay. mother-in-law, presumably. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, that's yeah. true. And that's the only one where we're like, oh, there's a weapon there, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we think it's the the wife uh, beating the, the mother-in-law to death. Which, like, she kind of had a right to at that point, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of back to, like, the first kind of batch of episodes where it's people projecting, like, displacing terrible things onto Shonen Bat so it's not their fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess here it's becoming it's becoming more social and less personal. Yeah. Yeah, where it's, like, you know, exam stress. Like, like the, the kid dies from exam stress and they go, oh, it was Shonen Bat. And then it's, like, mm-hmm. you know, bad relationships... Within, like, you know, families. Oh, that's shown in bad. Yeah. Mistakes at the clinic, that's shown in bad. Okay. So, like, these problems that have existed in society for a very, very long yeah. time. And now suddenly we want to blame them on the latest cultural phenomenon yeah, or, or yeah. mass hysteria, right? Which that also is probably nothing new. That's like, and that's what I thought the whole show was going to be up until he showed up and walked through a wall. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. And I think, too, it's like entertainment now. So yeah. it's not people like worried talking about like, oh, God, this horrible thing happened. But it's like, oh, let me tell you, like the latest news about this character, yeah. Shonen Bat, right? And then yeah. you get that, especially at the end when it's like her husband is hit, but it's like, oh, she can't wait to get the details so she can like 
tell the gossiping women and, and finally get in with them. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain parallel to like true crime stuff mm. because, you know, like the, the, the events of those shows or whatever is covering it, you know, the, the crimes themselves, these are very bloody and horrible things. And if you were adjacent to it, you wouldn't want to know the gory details, yeah. but because there's this distance from it, you know, you you're at a safe distance that you can experience these things. Suddenly it can become fascinating and entertaining. Yes, yeah, the like my favorite murder level. Yeah. So it was a new format episode for the series, mm-hmm. but it also was kind of a return to a pattern, right? Yeah. Gossip girl on the outside had her dilemma and Shonen Bat solved it. Hmm. Yeah. And how can we have a thought, an anthology about all of these different stories? How can we tie them all together? Well, we'll just arbitrarily place Shonen Bat into them. But also, like, her husband is a screenwriter. So you may say, like, he works a really stressful job, or maybe he works at the same place as the uh, animator girl works. Mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. dealing oh. with the same, you know, issues, deadlines, problems, stresses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, and there's this... There's a double standard with the women telling stories because the older women, they're all telling just as ridiculous stories as the the younger woman who who's married to the screenwriter. But they're very hypercritical of hers. And I think that's a tendency in artist circles to like hold the next generation, be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you can't like tell this ridiculous story. But if you look back through the works of those artists who are complaining or criticizing, you'll find those same kinds of hyper derivative works. Yeah. Because, you know, we all tell these stories on our way through our storytelling journey, like getting better. Did you notice the kid with the balloon? Yeah. What? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Okay. I have a really dark interpretation of that. Okay. 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 You see the kid with the bunny costume with the balloon, right? Mm -hmm. They don't show up again, but then at the end, you see the balloon floating away. With the crows popping it or something? Yeah. And the crows from the previous episode that circle the dead pop it. And I'm like, (sighs) oh, they were too busy gossiping about Shonen Bat that, like, a kid got abducted. Oh. Yeah. As you were talking, I was like, oh, Shonen Bat showed up and got it. Possibly. But I, but like, that's the thing. Like, that kid might actually have gotten abducted, and they're going to say it was shown at that next time they meet. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, like, the idea that they're so obsessed with, like, this big, like, importance, kind of, like, like you said, like, true crime, like, everyone's entertained by mm-hmm. Shonen Bat, that this actual horrible thing happens off screen and they don't notice, because it's not part of that story. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah. The bunny is also just, like, the stereotypical prey. Yeah. Predators. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's so dark. Well, and that's a very real thing. You know, Mm. governments and media machines, they point your head this way and go, hey, look at this terrible or wonderful thing happening. Please do not look at the human rights abuses that are going on over here. You know what it makes me think of? Mm. I preface this by saying (laughs) I grew up watching that stuff, so I love it. Mm -hmm. But as you get older, you're like... This was anti-me propaganda. You know, movies like Rocky and Rambo and all that stuff, I guess, yeah, Red mm-hmm. Dawn. They're basically saying what you're saying. It's like, listen, these Russians are really bad. That's what you should yes. be scared of. 
Oh, absolutely. Like there was massive efforts during the Cold War to blame everything on the Soviet Union mm. so that nobody looked at the death squads that were being yeah. funded in South America that were knocking over popularly elected regimes yeah. and, institute, or, and putting a fascist in their place. Russians were equally entertained. Yeah, it was a common thing also <laughs> during the civil rights movement. Because every time the US government pointed out human rights abuses in the Soviet Union, you could redirect it back and say, but look at what you're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying. And I didn't think about the the victim, the the bunny girl yeah. at the end. It's juxtaposed with uh, the women have been talking and they didn't notice this young person possibly get abducted or attacked or something like that. But also the very next thing and the last thing is the woman saying like, how did Shonen Bad attack you? I can't call an ambulance until you give yeah, me the story. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> the, these last two episodes have been in their own way a lot more playful, but we are dealing with these uh, psychotic breaks or yeah, these very yeah. raw emotional states that people are in. And here we have someone who's again yeah. at the end of their rope with something like maybe she feels very alone in this apartment complex. She has only her husband for company. And then when she tries to make friends with these other women, they just shit on her the whole conversation. And so Shonen Bat kind of all she has. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know why this woman doesn't get it though. You're, you're supposed to say, did you hear this story? And then you have to make them promise not to tell it. And then you <laughs> lean like, She's not doing any of the, the yeah. rituals. Like. Yeah. yeah. Oh, which there's a lot of that in Japanese society, right? Like there's a particular thing you, we, we've gone back to this many times, but there's a particular thing you say when you come home. That's not, you don't say that in any other situation, right? You don't say it when you pick up the phone. You don't say it when you enter uh, your, like your workspace. You only say it when you come home and there's a specific thing someone says back to you. And she just refuses to participate in those things. And maybe, you know, because she's part of the a younger generation than these women that are uh, shitting on her. Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know how much it's a legit thing like that or just, I mean, I think it is more just they're being bitches to her. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta pay your dues. Uh, did anybody have a favorite story from the anthologies? I mean, the barfing out those words. Yeah. <laughs> that was so wild. Great visual gag, right? Yeah, I loved that. And I'll say it again here, just in case I don't use the the episode uh, audio. But it's it's a great joke for this medium because it doesn't really work if it was written in a book or even in like a comic book because it the the motion and the three Dness yeah. of it it wouldn't convey that this yeah. thing was coming out of him and not part of the page he was looking at something like it's that. It's like it's engaging all our senses. Yeah. Yeah. Which. The series is talking about cultural phenomenon and mass hysteria and, you know, the ways that the imaginary world has very real effects on the physical world, um, whether it's rumors or someone's mental state or, you know, a whole lot of that stuff. But there's also, you know, in talking about these things and working with these kind of cross reality concepts like we're also putting shonen bat into the world like you know yeah. the, the story is about shonen bat and the 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 phenomenon and the hysteria that surrounds him or it but 
by putting this story forward, we're putting the idea of Shonen Bat into more people's uh, yeah. minds. It reminds yeah. me of, of Jack the Ripper. Ah, interesting. Well, like, the original, like, Jack the Ripper series of killings, it's not clear if that was one person. Mm-hmm. It could have been, like, three or four different people, but the idea is once they got the idea of Jack the Ripper out into the world, people mm-hmm. started copying it, and now we're at the point where, like, every single serial killer ends up being called the something Ripper. Like, Ripper mm-hmm. just becomes, at least, right. like, within the Anglosphere, like, if someone murders, like, people in air, they're called the something Ripper, like the Yorkshire yeah. Ripper or something. Wow. Yeah, if nobody's read From Hell, mm. uh, Alan Moore, excellent book about, well, the graphic novel about um, uh, Jack the Ripper. Yeah, read it, don't watch it. The film is very different. <laughs> oh my god, the film is so <laughs> the bad. The Johnny Depp movie? The film is like, I don't hate the film, but it's got no fuck all to do with the, with the book. It's so bizarre. Yeah. They cast, what's his name? He's always a delight. Ian Holmes, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, Ian Holmes. As? As Gull, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Gull, yes. Oh, my God. What a It's so good, the book. Yeah. It, it looks intimidating because it's this massive It's incredibly thin. Novel. A lot of it is, is footnotes as well. Oh, yeah. Because he's so obsessed with getting all the period detail right that each chapter has, like, an index and an appendix listing every reference he used. To the point, I think it's to the point where, like, every single named character, even if they're on for one thing, it's someone he actually researched that existed yeah. in oh, London wow. at that time. So it could hypothetically have happened. Yeah. But a major theme in that is the way that media propagates mm. these stories and twists them into, again, a narrative that is digestible to someone. Yeah. Because someone just saying like, well, people are murdering prostitutes and other people that are kind of easy to murder because society yeah. doesn't care about them. It doesn't have the same ring to it as there's one guy going around. Killing prostitutes. Yeah. And I think for, for famous cases like this, you know, maybe it's a little bit like the women in this episode where then there will be these other murders that happened around that time period. And then people online trying to be like, could this one be like Jack the Ripper too? Yeah, and they're just like yeah. arguing with each other about like why it could be or like couldn't be. And like, you know, sort of yeah. like the women just being like, that's absurd. But then they have their crazy theory that they... 100% believe and 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 there are these sort of like communities that um I don't know it's like a very interesting phenomenon mm-hmm. yeah like Sin and I talk about cryptids sometimes mm. and it reminds me of like when when there's a cryptid sighting or a monster sighting or a UFO sighting you have what's called a flap and a flap is like when every suddenly there's this explosion of sightings of oh. that thing in that area, which people point to, oh, it must be real because, like, this person saw it, and then the next day this person saw it, and this person saw it. But what they actually are is once it's in people's head that that's there, suddenly, like, you know, every noise they hear, every bright light they see, yeah. every, like, you know, un- thing they don't quite understand gets pigeonholed into, oh, it must be that. Yeah, that's yeah. the new lens, the new filter. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I think that, yeah, I think that happens at the individual level. And then it also happens at like the media level yeah. where like if there's just one crazy person saying a thing, like that's not a story. But then once you have a trend of people doing it, then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now we can report on this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So does this speak to like what this episode is about? It's like eventually the absurd stories, everything was shown in bat. And they had the thing that was like a nod to the Challenger space shuttle yeah, yeah. explosion. It was like, that was shown in Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <Shonen> Matt. <laughs> Shonen Matt. 
Yeah, watching it dubbed, I thought that the skywriting was going to say Shonen Bat, but it actually said, I love you, which was, <laughs> I couldn't put that together what it was. Yeah. But I actually expected them to, the shuttle to go out into space and then in space they would see yeah. like yeah. a space baby version of Shonen Bat or something like yeah. that. Or on he the stowed away on the, on the shuttle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm so glad you mentioned uh, Jack the Ripper because it doesn't play as big of a role in this, but there's a very important piece of graffiti in the Jack the Ripper case that's like this phrase painted on a wall near yes. one of the victims, which may have been a red herring. It may be a misnomer. It sounds like it's kind of a crazy person with these weird spellings of, of words. Yeah. And we didn't pay that as much attention to it, but in the first episode of this, there's graffiti on the wall yeah. that says, enter little slugger, or enter mm. Shonen Bat. Yeah. yeah. Mm. In mm. this very similar, you know, is it a coincidence or is that where it started? Was that where the psychosis starts with people seeing this phrase, Shonen Bat or little slugger, just in their periphery in the graffiti of the city? Uh-huh. Also, the guy who's doing all the equations on the ground, like right, oh, yeah. right in front of it. Yeah, yeah. I thought the that this was going to be some time thing where the guy who's throwing up the equations is actually the guy who's drawing the the equations on the floor, and it's somehow related. <gasps> oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Um, this is like a basic thing, not really about this episode. What's the connection between Maromi and Golden Bat? Like, they both seem to be entities. Well, I mean. Having seen it, like, there is a connection, mm-hmm. but it's later on. But, like, like what you said is sort of, like, that's what it is. Like, it, you have two sort of entities that are, like, they're both technically fictional. Mm-hmm. That have, like, they've just taken hold of the public, and they're everywhere. So, like, everyone's got Maromi backpacks, and they're also all seeing Shonen Bat. Okay. And then, like, later on it becomes, like, oh, okay, they are more connected than, than that, but... Yeah, but the Maromi part is... I'm really confused. So, like, Golden Bat, it does feel like the specter of, like, the Divine Wind. Mm. And then Maromi seems really menacing. What, what do you mean by the specter of the Divine Wind? Like the Kamikaze, like the Deus Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. What, what, what do we make of Maromi? <laughs> like, is Maromi evil? <laughs> you'll fi- Okay, you'll find out, but I don't want to say it now because we're in episode no 9. No spoilers, three I didn't go. see yeah. the rest. Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, as far as the things we know now... What's her name? Sukiko Sagi, our original main character, drew Maromi, right? And it became a full cultural phenomenon and also drew the initial sketch of Shonen Bat. Yeah, because yeah. she claimed that Shonen Bat was that attacked like... her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. But so I can see what Shonen Bat is doing. But what the hell is Maromi doing? Like when Maromi walks and talks, it's like redirecting. Like, don't look, don't pay attention to that. I, well, okay, you you will find out what the hell the deal is. Like, it is, it's yeah. explicitly shown on screen what it is. It's not like just going to sit there. But it's oh, like a God. big thing at the end that I don't want to spoil. Okay, because uh, Sukiko is emotionally unwell. Yeah. So like, yeah, Maromi yeah. is definitely something that she has outsourced part of herself to. Yeah, that's that's something that like struck me when I was watching it. Is like the scenes where Maromi is talking. Similar to the scene when, like, Tsukiko encounters Shonen Bat when she's walking home. It's like, this is all just coming from her. Mm -hmm. So we have no idea if this, like, this isn't really happening, is it? She's just imagining this is happening. 
And then, like, that's sort of what's going on up until he goes through the wall and the two people are watching. It's like, okay, now, Shonen, that is actually a thing that is out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, can we really be sure of that? I don't know. Like, I, I sort of wonder, because now we know that that kid wanted to commit yeah. suicide. And so is it just, like, these two detectives interrogated this kid he committed suicide under their watch and like that is too hard of a reality for yeah. them to accept yeah. so they're like no it was golden bat like it yeah it wasn't that we terrorized this mentally ill kid and drove and remember him perfect blue oh my God. Yeah, yeah yeah people are seeing oh. the same things in perfect blue right but the thing yeah. is like to me that the thing is that the two cops both have a completely different relationship to shonen bad like, they both kind of want yes. a different resolution. So for them both to see the same thing, to me, that was the sign, okay, actually, mm-hmm. no, they. this is something that they're, they're both independently observing. Like, this is not... Because you'd think mm-hmm. if it was, like, if that was just a subjective thing, like, they would have seen it differently. Because, right. like, the, the younger cop is, like, super into, like, solving the Shonen Bat thing, and the older one is more sort of by the book about it. And sort of wants it to just end. Mm-hmm. But yet they both have the same experience. So if they're both having the same experience, then it's probably not subjective. Yeah. Or, or we'd, yeah, you'd think we'd at least have like a scene of them kind of convincing each other yeah, of the story yeah. or something like kind of coming up with it together. But yeah. Mm, we can all agree that this show is like real good, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very impressed. Um, okay. So Sin and Sophie. If people enjoyed this show, or maybe even these episodes in particular, is there anything you would steer them towards as a, a complimentary piece or even like a come down piece from it? Sin, do you want to go first? Watch Perfect Blue. It's really good. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Totally And uh, of course, Katekyo Hitman Reborn. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I was waiting yeah, the, for it. I would recommend Standalone Complex. which I brought up a couple of times already, because it's a very similar kind of story, but it takes a more, like, a sociological approach rather than it being, like, a psychological thing. Interesting. So it becomes about the way in which phenomena like that arise and are replicated. And because, like, Standalone Complex is just, it's a Ghost in the Shell series, it's straightforwardly, like, this is science fiction. So there's not going to be, like, a supernatural thing going on, it all has to be quite grounded, and yeah. And is is Oshi involved in that one, or is that he's definitely involved somehow? And um, someone recommended that's awesome. Like I think maybe it was even the last episode. Someone recommended uh, Ghost in the Shell two. Yeah, uh, innocence. Yeah. Um, but does someone need to watch Ghost in the Shell one to get a lot out of Standalone Complex? No, Standalone Complex is a prequel. It's standalone. <laughs> Yeah, I got my answer. <laughs> well, you can actually, they, they released the series in like, you can actually get two collections called Standalone and Complex. Hmm. Oh. And the Complex one is just the story arc with the, the criminal. And the standalones is just like the, the um, self-contained episodes. That is wild. That's so cool. Okay. And then also, uh, if people can't get enough of you, which how could they not? You're both delightful. <laughs> where, where can they find you? What are you doing these days online? YouTube.com slash Vitivedia. Yeah. <laughs> also, Patreon.com slash Vitivedia. Why not? Just, <laughs> and, and how do you spell that? <laughs> You know how to spell Vaiti's name? Come on. <laughs> like 10 million subs. Yeah. But that's actually not there. <laughs> that was a little trick. Yeah. We're, um, we're, we're YouTube.com slash Sinclair Law, which is S-I-N-C-L-A-I-R-L-O-R-E. 
The S stands for Sophie and Sin. Yeah, we decided that backwards. That's yep. beautiful. You know, when we got copyright claimed for our Pat Labor thing, we were like, you know, if they take down the channel, we'll start a new one with a different name with both of our names in it. Price is an opportunity. There Same you know, thing. Yeah. Okay, Blixa, whenever you're ready. All right. Pen. Pen. Pals. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I shouldn't have laughed. I know a guy who cosplays as him. Huh, cosplays as Shonen Bat? He cosplays as Shonen Bat, yeah. That's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> He's got this smile down and everything. If I saw that at a convention, I'd be like, I gotta go. I gotta go the other way. <laughs>